Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan Jesse Go, we're joined by Maki's creator, Tony Millionaire, who explains his theory that 85% of people are bogus. Let's go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Oh, it's a beautiful afternoon in Los Angeles. The sun dappling the rooftops across the way here in Thorne Manor. Thorne Manor, is that what we ended up going with? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's changing uh in part because you know uh, the you want changing of the seasons the changing of the seasons and uh you the know cyclical the cha- nature just of the life. changing of our cultural landscape absolutely sure <laughs> one minute selena gomez is popular one minute no one cares about her yeah absolutely. so i think i think because of that and kind of related phenomena you should change the name of your house. Also, because I don't think we can remember what we called it last time. No, I certainly can't remember. That was weeks ago that I last referred to my house by an inflated name. Sure. So let's, yeah. You know. Let's I, keep it changing. Keep, it, keep, keep the audience guessing. I think they like that. Yeah, Thorn Manor. It's got some timber mm-hmm. and some exposed beams. Sure. That's, that's the primary qualification for a manor, right? I think so. I mean, I think, I, I think like a, a beneath-the-surface class struggle, too. Oh, it has that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, ideally, a manor has that. Do you, is that going on in your house? Slave dogs. Okay. Dogs are enslaved to me. Are they plotting against you secretly, though? I can only presume. Hmm. I would be if I were in their position. <laughs> are, is the dog at all plotting to uh, cause your wife a miscarriage? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's pray our guests. I think that's this. one of the qualifications of a manor, right? That someone is plotting someone else's miscarriage within it. Look, I'm not an expert on lords and ladies and things like that, but I figure, yeah, probably so. A, a, a miscarriage plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or worse, a pregnancy. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, no. With, and with that, let's introduce our guest. <laughs> with that allusion to secret dog babies. Um, he's, the, uh, he's the man behind the beloved comic strip Mackie's uh, and uh, the television program The Drinky Crow Show. He is the beloved illustrator of uh, 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 many a uh, high-class magazine article uh, and... Uh, uh, low-class comic strip. Uh, his new book is called uh, 500 Portraits. His name, Tony Millionaire. It is a pleasure to have you uh, back in Maximum Fun Recording Studios, Tony. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. The place is fantastic. I love this uh, the building. Is would you the do? Manor. Are you? I on love board the little with this wood, the little panes. I've never been here before. I, went, I came to your studio one time, but it was a different place. Yeah, I think it was Koreatown, maybe, was the last time you, right. were, you were here. That's Tony right. was on The Sound of Young America once. Mm. You see, Tony is married to Sarah Thayer's sister. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's all, Although it's all... she wouldn't really like to be called Sarah Thayer's sister, she'd like to be called the woman who has a, sa- a sister named Sarah, maybe. <laughs> right, she doesn't define herself no. purely by whose sister she, she is. She defines herself as... Uh, uh, Becky Thayer, who has a sister named Sarah. Gotcha. I mean, it's probably just because I'm a fan, but if I was, you know, even tangentially connected to someone who was in Strangers with Candy, I would probably define my entire life by that. But or, that's just me. 
I define my life as a person who's married to someone who was in Mr. Show. Oh, that's, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so but to be fair, they're... Jordan does define himself as Jordan, who once met Sarah Thire. Sure. So, I mean, you having you having the wife kind of one ups me. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Although I define myself as Jesse, who has Karen Kogarev's email address. <laughs> That's good. So you know, I mean, we all define ourselves in our own ways. I once know? brought her eggs when I was her TV slave. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wait, you brought her eggs? Oh, yeah, totally. I used to be a... Uh, Karen Kilgariff was the head writer of The Ellen Show when I was the PA for it, and I, I brought her eggs several times. Uh, Karen Kilgariff, of course, also a uh, 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 cast member of The Mr. Show television program, uh, worked on The Mr. Show television program. Um, but she was she was the head writer of Ellen at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. Did she? She's working on that Rosie O'Donnell show, isn't she? She is, yeah. Jesus Christ, I have no idea who all these showbiz people are. I'm still trying to figure out Selena Gomez. Oh, um, excuse me. Uh, uh, Let me explain my brief belch there. Uh, Tony actually uh, brought a couple of of cans of Budweiser over in his jean jacket, and we're enjoying it now. The King King of of Beers. beers. As it says on the can. Joey, uh, (laughs) Tony, a few few weeks ago when Jesse was out, we enjoyed some Bud Light Limes while we were Mm, were doing the podcast. No, no, no. Whenever my daughters see the Bud Light sign, they'll scream, Daddy, 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 Bud Light! (laughs) No, I do not like anybody putting Um, water in my beer. Dear. What about a lime? What about a little kiss of lime? You can put a little lime in it. That's all right, as long as you don't water it down. Okay. Um, speaking of um, not knowing who various celebrities are, yeah. uh, Tony Selena Gomez is on the Disney Channel, I think. So I only kind of know who okay. she is. It's okay. possible that she's on Nickelodeon. Okay. Uh, I was. Uh, is she a teen? She is a teen. Yes, she, I think so. It's possible she's twenty. Yeah. Mm. She could be. Do you think she's a tween? No, she's a teen. She's got to be no, at least twenty. Is a twenty? Is a teen? A twomp. She's, she's a, a twomp. twomp. Pretty sure she's, she's a, a real. Twomp. She's a real twat. If she's young enough that when I see her wearing like a bikini or a little dress or something, and I say, "Oh my god, put your clothes on," yeah, then it's a teenager. Okay, because uh, I have I have little girls, so I do that to pe- women who are like up to like thirty five now. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm working on a um, I'm working on a web show right now, and I I went down uh, yesterday to do like a little cameo in it. I went to be you know kind of a two-line featured player, and the costume mistress, costume lady, uh, was 21 years old, and I made a reference to Polly Shore, and she didn't know who Polly Shore <laughs> was, and then I had to explain Polly Shore to her, and nothing makes less sense than just trying to explain why Polly Shore was funny. Right. Like, I'm like, oh, he uh, was on MTV, and he said, Weezin the Juice, and buddy... <laughs> You know, he said it funny, like, buddy, and he wore headbands. Well, I mean, to be fair to Polly Shore, he wasn't funny. Right, I know. <laughs> Anybody that's that, that universally loathed kind of gets, fa- gets famous through the generations. I'm surprised she doesn't know who he is. Yeah, I would have thought that maybe there would be some sort of, like, you know, ironic reappreciation of Polly Shore, but a- apparently yeah. in this 21-year-old circle, there, there was not. Yeah, she had never even heard of Biodome. If you had said, uh, if you had what? made some <laughs> passing allusion to Kubiak from mm-hmm. Parker Lewis Can't Lose, right. then I would say that's a generational thing. Sure. Sure. If you don't know, then you would have had to explain, oh, that, that huge guy from ER, and then she would have said, what's ER? Okay. <laughs> um, See, I don't even know what ER is. And, and I was kind of talking about I know him. it means the emergency room, and it was a show, but that's it. That's, I mean, that's all the information you need to yeah, know. I don't that's, oh, and that's also where George Clooney was invented. 
Really? I thought he was invented on uh, Roseanne in the workroom. Mm, that was him in a kind of a beta phase. Okay. That was a beta Clooney. But really, Clooney came into his... He emerged from his pupa on ER. I'll tell you, my wife has been watching a lot of Roseanne lately. and I do love that show. Uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous show. Uh, but you know how they always say, like, uh, Clooney went through a thousand TV pilots before he became famous, and they sort of... It's like they're blaming the TV pilots for not making Clooney famous. Right. Roseanne was, I think we can all agree, one of the best television programs of its era. I agree. Um, and Clooney was terrible on it. He was awful. He had way too much <laughs> hair coming out of the wrong places. And he what did he ridiculous. do? I don't even remember his He character. smiled and he had a little dimple. Huh. Now he's using it to his advantage because it's like, it's kind of ironic. I've got a dimple, but I'm really like going through a tough time with whatever his, his role Desp- is. I'm, yes, I'm having a hard time despite my despite dimple. Despite my dimple. My yeah. wife, the dimple won't even my, save me now. My dimple can't even bring my wife out of this coma. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, I mean, I will say, you couldn't find a bigger Clooney booster than myself. I've, I frankly, I've even turned in Denzel in favor of Clooney, mm. I think. I may be, my interest in watching a movie where... Denzel does something that makes serious consideration of various things may have been eclipsed by a movie in which George Clooney has to assemble a gun in an Italian mountainside city. Oh, also he uh, smelts his own bullets. <laughs> yeah, too. Whoa, 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 what movie is this? Oh, this is The American. Oh, God. I don't, I don't even, I've never even heard of them. Oh, it's terrific. It's Clooney moping around. Mm-hmm. He makes his own guns. He smelts his own bullets. And there's lots of topless Italian ladies. I've got to see this. Oh, you got to see this. This movie is... The American is... Here's the thing about... Number one, mm-hmm. I, I don't want people to write us letters <clears throat> and say, The American wasn't that great of a movie. Because I'm just going to put it out there. The American is not that great of a movie. It is a B-plus okay. movie. Sure. That's, okay. that's fair. Totally fair. It is not an amazing film in terms of the quality of the film. It's one of those movies you talk about on shows like this. Yes. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about Citizen Kane here on Jordan Jessica. Yeah, we could go on and on about The Graduate, but what would we have to add to the discourse? Nothing. Or, or Animal House. Yeah. <laughs> sure, absolutely. We have a lot to talk about about The American. Let's, yeah. I, I want to address this film, The American. So it is a B plus. It is well executed. Sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a genre film. Those Italian ladies sure are topless, aren't they? But here's the thing. Here's the thing about The American. This is the kind of movie it is. Number one, George Clooney is essentially on camera the entire time. He says 250 words over the course of the film. Um most of the rest of the uh, of the film is silent and or in two or three sentence exchanges of heavily accented english it doesn't need a dialogue doesn't need dialogue it has beautiful vistas of mountainside italian cities and the mountains on topless italian women sure um, boob mountains. <laughs> boob mountains. Well, if he's smelting his own bullets, these must be some kind of muskets or something. So this is the thing. He is some sort of highly trained assassin who has to go in for one last job. This is like an art house, an art house assassin movie. It is not. There's no gross parts. There's no up. There's no super upsetting parts. It is beautiful the entire way through. George Clooney is fucking amazing. There's a lot of nudity. 
And there's a couple of broad ethnic stereotypes yeah. that are are not played for laughs. And so you're like, whoa, is it okay to play a broad ethnic stereotype seriously in a serious art film? What is it, like an old man carrying a bucket? <laughs> It's it's kind of I would say it's a movie it's a lot like it's a lot like Drive without that annoying soundtrack is how I would describe well, it. Now, well, I don't know what Drive is. Drive so. Drive was number one. It's a it's not uh it's not semi ironic like Drive. Mm-hmm. It's not self conscious like Drive. It is a it is a genuine genre ex- exercise, not a self conscious. Uh, it, and I enjoyed Drive. I'm not yeah, putting too. down Drive. Me too. But it's not it's the music. Just car. the music just made me feel like I was at some gaze only opium den. <laughs> <laughs> I liked. I like. I liked it too. Oh, and I also didn't like how Christina Hendricks was in danger. I yeah. don't think she should ever be in danger. I think she should be in like the nude. In the nude, uh, but on like on on something made of velvet at all times. But here's the thing. Like I I I would like I, I enjoy. I enjoy, I, I am, I enjoy action films. Oh wait, can I change the? Yeah. Uh, can I change my analogy from the music from Drive was like a gaze only opium den to the music and Drive made me feel like I was inside a clove cigarette. <laughs> I think that's funnier. <laughs> opium like get rid of the boner. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of like the 1920s so it be, hallucinogen. It would, it would be gay only opium den, but it would be just a bunch of dudes sitting around. Does, who, when, does opium yeah. kill, kill boners? It kind of does, makes you not want to really care, not really care about. Sex. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it. I thought maybe opium assisted with fucking. But... I'm talking about heroin, but maybe I'm. I'm assuming the same with opium. No, it makes you kind of like, why should I fuck? I'm having a great time just sitting here. Oh, huh. Well, I didn't know that. Well, then. So you could be gay and like you know talk about you know. What's a da- things, well? You got to think of a downer be, fuck drug. It wouldn't be a big fuck fest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> so music less threatening to you. Yeah, just kind of a nice. <laughs> <laughs> the music in drive. Well, I'm gonna go with the clove cigarette thing. Okay. I mean, like, we could sit here and debate this opium thing, but yeah. Frankly, the music in drive made me feel like I was inside the Michael Mann film Thief. As did all the rest of the movie Drive. <laughs> oh, um, I'm uh, sorry. But, I, I've never, I didn't ask in the beginning. Am I allowed to use F words? Yes. Sure. Oh, sure. Please That's do. Fine. Yeah. So anyway, I back said to fuck the, fest. I didn't know if I was. With that. <laughs> oh, fuck fest is great. Back to the American. That'll be the title of the episode when it comes out. <laughs> fuck fest. Gay opium fuck fest. Yeah. Back to the American. This was a, in many ways a flawed film, but I loved it, and sure. I would go see that movie five times a year. Not that. Not that actual movie but a movie of that type five times a year where it has to star Clooney I mean there's a really limited number of people that it could star I'm having a hard time thinking of anybody I mean Marky Mark if he's used correctly but there's a big I mean there's a big range of possible mistakes you could make with Marky Mark sure I mean Marky Mark Mark great in the that that porno thing, what was it called again? Oh, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, sure. Marky Mark, get it, when Marky Mark is, when, when, you get, when you get it right with Marky Mark, he's yeah. as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. But you can get it wrong, and then you're fucked. Yeah. You know? They usually get it wrong. Yeah. They you, do usually get it wrong. Yeah. He should be either. That Boston yeah. movie drove me out of my mind. Bill Monaghan is a friend of mine that wrote that, that script, and I was like, wow, man, he's made it. Look at this. The, this the fighter? The, no, no, no. The bo- that was even worse. But the bo- the Boston oh, I like the police fighter. one I that everyone really loved. The Boston police. Oh, and uh, oh, uh, oh, sure. The Departed. The Departed. The Departed. Yeah. And Marky Mark had a great Boston accent in it. I'm from Boston, so I know what a Boston accent sounds like. And then you have guys like um, 
like, see, here's why I'm just awful at talking about things like this because I don't remember anybody's names. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, what's the name of the actor who has six brothers and he's an actor too? And he's super famous. And he does an ad for a credit card now where they're walking around in a restaurant and he plays himself twice. Oh, gosh. You know, I don't Eric know. Baldwin. Oh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. So Alec Baldwin. And Eric Baldwin. Go, Eric Baldwin. He's trying to go. Eric Balfour. Whatever one. The good, the good one. The famous one. The good Baldwin, yeah. And he's trying to oh, do Boston accent. And he's trying to woo with his O's and dropping his R's where yeah, he's not yeah. supposed to. It's absurd, totally absurd. Did you see Julianne Moore when she was on 30 Although, Rock? I gotta tell you, my, I, I'm going to backtrack and tell you that oh, Marky sure. Mark was pretty good in that. Well, Marky because Mark he is actually. Because he's from Boston. So he's yeah, he's yeah. from Boston. Yeah. Okay. That's why I, I should be cast. In like a remake of Vertigo, because I do such a good San Francisco accent. <laughs> I wonder what that sounds like. Do you know? It's like, hey, I got to take the Forty Nine Van Ness Mission. It's like that. That sounds like well, New York. A lot of people can't do that though. <laughs> like, hey, I got to go downtown. I'm going to take the fourteen. Yeah, good. I take the twenty four. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to take my fast pass. Hop on the twenty four to Visadero. Uh huh. I'm going to go to a store that has Tibetan prayer flags as decorations. <laughs> I'm going to walk all the way across that big, giant golden bridge. <laughs> That's good. Oh, your San Francisco's hey, it's golden, good. it's red. Your San Francisco's good. No, you do good. a pretty like, good... I, I that, was was good. That, was convi- that was convincing. Was You're castable. What do you think has been the best Boston accent on film that you've seen? Because, yeah, I feel like every time I see it, it's kind of a jokey sketch comedy version of a Boston accent. But what, what do you think has been the best... I'll have to think about that and come back to it. Okay, we'll table that. Can we I, talk about classic nudity movies? My favorite fake accent or, or East Coast accent ever done was Daniel Day-Lewis in Gangs of New York. Oh. Because he, t- he studied and researched what would an accent sound like if they still had a little bit of a British accent, because they're British subjects, still kind of. Yeah, yeah. It comes from that. But then this kind of New York, but kind of talking like this. And, and sort of like before the Three Stooges had that, that toity toid and toid you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The beginnings of that toy. <laughs> sure. And he just did such a great it's a pre- job on you're making kind of, up you're an, an accent, and so it was totally believable. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, and I think that's a great example of a of just the most watchable B plus movie in the yeah. world. Like, you know, there's so a lot wrong with it, but it's just so fun I'm and watchable. I'm so crazy about that movie. Uh, it's yeah. one of those movies where there are some elements in it that, like Cameron Diaz, that just totally wreck it. <laughs> yeah, she's wrong. She's and then. Everything else of it is great. So it's yeah. only the, it's not the whole the picture as a whole. It's just some parts of it. And then that ridiculous Civil War fighting thing at the end. Like yeah, you're in yeah. a street corner and there's a bunch of cannonballs coming over. What? It's great. And yeah, yeah it's totally... Oh, oh, and the... Oh, God, it has one of my favorite scenes of all time is like, I, I will forgive any... So I'll say, you know, Cameron Diaz in that movie yeah. is a mistake. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is acting kind of weird and distracting. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, but he was not very good. But the, yeah, there's Daniel Day-Lewis, and then there's a scene where they get guys drunk and take them around town to vote. Yeah. Which is like to a music <laughs> montage, to like Irish penny whistle music. They're right. taking drunks around to vote more, like in a voting fraud scam. Vote and once, yeah. get a haircut, vote again. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, And yeah, I think those are... Those are those are a few things that can be in a movie that'll turn a, a B plus into a rewatch for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a but montage, there, there are definitely a couple of a voting a, a voting fraud montage set to the Chieftains is your qualification. <laughs> yeah, for... if anyone knows of any other movies where that happens, let me know. So far, Gangs of New York is the only one I've I've seen. I was thinking about what kind of movie I would enjoy. Actually, I was on the street. I was on the streets of Milan, Italy, talking with put this on director Ben Harrison about what kind of movie I will watch, even if it's a B-minus. Because I usually... uh, One of my failures as a human being is that 
I tend to have a disproportionately negative reaction to a not that bad uh, piece of uh, culture. Like, I really don't get a lot out of a C-plus movie. Like, a lot of people like just watch, like to watch a stupid movie on TV, and I'll be like, ah, fuck this, yeah. and go do something else. <laughs> um, but th- something where I will actually watch a sort of not-that-great movie is uh, a heist movie. Sure. I will yeah. watch a movie where a plan comes together uh, and a submarine movie. Yeah. Uh, a movie about a submarine. I don't know why that's so compelling to me, but I watched U571, <laughs> uh, which I think is the very definition of a B minus movie, and I just enjoyed the shit out of it. Clint Eastwood in that one, or somebody like that? I don't remember who. I don't honestly. I don't even remember what happened, except that there was submarines. I was in I Germany thought, one time. I was watching Netflix Instant last night, mm-hmm. and I thought very seriously about rewatching The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you were in Germany I, one time. I was in Germany, and I was visiting uh, this girl's, uh, my girlfriend's f- father, and uh, I was visiting their their family. And the dad was sitting there; they were watching Das Boot, yeah, which is awesome in, in German, the original German, of course. And he is, was so used to movies being dubbed into into German. Halfway through it, he said, "Wait a minute." Is this movie originally in German? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Grandpa, it is. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's something like that. That concept is something that we can all like. We should all take into account for empathy. Is that like everybody in the world has has those things that they will like, even if they recognize its failings. Like everyone Mm -hmm. has those things that they're just suckers for. And like, yeah, if you wonder why some, like, you know. Like, why someone would watch a reality cooking show. It's like, oh, no, that just, like, you know, that just ticks one of their, like, aesthetic boxes that they need ticked for some reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. For me, it's a, it's uh you get submarines. Yeah. And uh, heist movies. Sure. And classy nudity. Exactly. But, like, a there was, tense there was three assassin. Reasons. There's three reasons to, to, I've always, I used to say this before, I uh, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> There was three reasons to re- watch a movie. One, it's a good movie. Sure. Two, there's a lot of classy boobs in it. Right. Three, it's got great special effects. So Jurassic Park, for instance. I want to see them running around real dinosaurs. Sure. Right. I took my dog to see it. He said, I didn't smell anything. It didn't seem very real to me. <laughs> that's just a joke that I... It's a great joke. It's a great joke. I use that's, that's from Iraq. That's from Iraq. kids' jokes. That's from Iraq. <laughs> But those are like basically the three. And if you can take, if you take, there's a movie that has like Jurassic Park, for instance, which is just fucking stupid. Sure. If you take the dinosaurs out of it and just clip, made a clip of only the dinosaurs. Oh, I, they used to be my dream. Take the clips from all the Star Wars movies where it's just the action and the fighting, <laughs> all the dinosaurs, and put them all together. And then I was in a bar in Italy, and suddenly on the wall there was that movie. They had taken clips because it's Italy. They don't give a shit about piracy. Wow! And so they, they were clipping out all they the special effects. All the special parts. effects from all the best fighting dinosaurs, fighting yeah, Ugh, robots, those Italians. Everything. Oh, they do it right. I thought of another kind of movie, Jackie Chan. Oh yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. I'll watch Jackie Chan do any fucking thing. That guy's the greatest. I, I do like Jackie Chan. <laughs> that guy's tremendous. Oh no, he's got a bucket stuck on his foot. Look out, Jackie Chan. <laughs> I'm guessing he'll use that to his advantage in the fight. Just yeah. makes his kicks more powerful. Right. <laughs> that rope's not going to slow him down. It speeds him up. Yeah. Sometimes I'm watching these movies on Netflix. I'll, I'll watch a Jackie Chan movie. And I don't, for some reason, some of these Jackie Chan movies that he made in, in Hong Kong, um, th- 
like 15 or 20 minutes will go by where nothing, no Jackie Chan stuff happens. <laughs> like, that is the secret of his international success, is they figured out that if they put Chris Tucker there next to him, at least something would be going on in the 20 minutes that he's not doing, getting a bucket stuck on his foot or on his head. Or he's getting a bucket stuck on his foot, and then he kicks it up into the air, and it lands on a bad guy's head, and then he punches the bad guy in the bucket. Sure. Um, Or or towel fight. Because if there's anything that Chris Chris Tucker can do, it's fill time. (laughs) Wait, wait. who's Chris Tucker? Uh, He's a United Nations goodwill ambassador. (laughs) (laughs) Who once started movies, where he uh, told Jackie Chan not to touch his radio. Uh, can Can we talk briefly about Chris Tucker? Uh, sure. I don't have much to say on the subject. I just have. A I've actually never seen. A, I've never seen a Rush Hour movie. I've only seen. Oh, him, really? I've only seen him in The Fifth Element. Okay. Well, I can recommend the movie oh, Rush Hour. Then I'll know who he was. What? Oh, I watch he, that movie so I can look at Mika Levinovich's uh, strap fall off. Oh yeah, absolutely. What is the what character? <laughs> That's the best pronunciation of Mila Jovovich I've ever heard. By the way, <laughs> I'm going to adopt that. I've been uh, hard of hearing for a long time, so I learned. He was. If you don't know someone's name, just say Mika Levinovich. <laughs> And it works. Um, Chris Tucker was like the fast-talking radio host who oh, okay. spoke into that wand. Okay. Yeah. And whose sexuality was ambiguous. I know who he is. He had great costumes with roses on the collar. We had very good costumes. Uh, Rush Hour number one is uh, is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Okay, I'll get yeah. it. Yeah. It's no... Look. It's no Shanghai Noon. Shanghai well, Noon is the gold standard. A, of don't don't hold it to that impossible. Having standard, a guy Jason, talk to Jackie Chan in between the parts where Jackie Chan does something mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, Shanghai Noon is tremendous. <laughs> Shanghai Moon is basically as much fun as you could have watching a movie. But um, oh, each. R- the Budweiser. Oh, Rush Hour is pretty fun. I mean, there's some there's like parts in it where you're just like, hey, guy who directed Rush Hour. You're a terrible fucking person. Fuck you. <laughs> Do you think you would have come to that conclusion if you didn't already know that Brett Ratner was a terrible person? Does that shine through in the filmmaking? It does. It does shine okay. through. I, I, guess, mean, I guess when I think about Brett Ratner movies, like they are defined by their middle-of-the-roadness, but then you hear all these stories about him saying, like, rehearsal is for fags, and then yeah. you, like... Oh, no, yeah. it's... It, yeah, it, yeah. It's the... It, it, well, you, uh, you would assume that he is a sort of... He's like, what if Michael Bay thought he was funny? <laughs> sure. Um, Michael Bay does think he's funny, by the way. Oh, does he? I don't know if you've ever seen a Transformers movie. Between the time that the Transformers are fucking each other up, oh, they're wacky comedies. Oh, I have not seen any Transformers <laughs> I've, movies. I've only seen the one, and it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I really just hate oh, it. I saw one. I know what I was talking about because it fit into one of my categories. Oh, yeah, Special sure. Facts. Crazy. Yeah, sure. I don't care if the sh- acting is stupid. Even the robots were acting like idiots. But it didn't matter. They folded. Yeah, they did fold. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, and I usually just like an special effects extravaganza too, but for whatever reason, the Transformers movie's bad comedy just offended me to my yeah, core. It was pretty nasty. It was awful. It was, um, hard to get to, it was hard to watch them fold even when they were... De- I mean, even they were folding and they were saying, yeah, time to, and then they stepped in dog poop. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, I just couldn't let that go. Like it wasn't, the special effects did not cancel out the bad comedy for me in that, in that situation. Here's my Chris Tucker question. Mm -hmm. So Chris Tucker made the movie Rush Hour. It was a monumental success. So he got $20 million or whatever to make Rush Hour Mm 2. And then he got like $30 million to make Rush Hour 3. 
And since Rush Hour 2, I think maybe he made one movie since between Rush Hour 1 and Rush Hour 2. He's not made any movies in between. Mm-hmm. Are these movies about driving around or something? Yeah, pretty much. I've never even heard of Rush Hour. It's I think about... it's just an arbitrary title. Just, just like, uh, yeah, this title, uh, had, you know, there has was... a sense of urgency. Are they, they under traffic jam? They were. Dis- I don't know. Do, are they? What's... They were disappointed that there was already a movie named Action Friends. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's <laughs> it's like uh, remember on Thirty Rock when there was uh, when Tracy Morgan was in that movie called Black Cop White Cop. That's pretty much the movie that this is. Uh-huh. But uh, it's Jackie Chan, and he's amazing, and Chris Tucker is charming in a Jackie Can- Chan context. Oh, so Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are in Rush Hour 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. And Shooting and kicking and fighting. Rush and Hour 2 was... was uh, I don't know if I saw Rush Hour 3. I don't think I did. Rush Hour 2 was was pretty disappointing. I mean, you'll be shocked to hear it was disappointing compared <laughs> yeah. to Rush Hour what? 1. And, My wife yeah. rented a Jackie Chan movie, and I can't, you'll tell me the name of it. Uh, and what, we showed it to our girls, and they were really scared of it. Hmm, our really? girls are 8 and 10, and they're not really afraid of anything. But somehow, when the fake punks Except came Chinese. out, the gang came out, and they were like a white guy with like a stupid mohawk. And Oh, this, was this Rumble in the Bronx? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That also has a scary hovercraft sequence. They we didn't get that far. We got as far as him oh, yeah. pulling out a switchblade and going, "Yeah, I'm going to cut you up, man. What do you think you are? You know this stupid cheesy. That's a gang. Yeah, that looks like Haircut Five Hundred with their, ja- their <laughs> special jackets on. <laughs> yeah, no, that movie like really. That movie I think was made in the mid '90s or the early '90s. Yeah. Rumble in the Bronx, but it really like really it. Yeah, I it think mid mid '90s. Very. Early, like it looked very like late eighties. Yeah, no, it's it's like nineteen ninety. I remember, I remember going, going to see it, to see it, in, it in, uh, the in theater high in high school. Yeah, they're trying to reach back to what they thought a punk gang would look like. Yeah, exactly. All the all the punks looked like they were transported out of an eighties movie. Like right. the eighties had all those like you know quintessential pink mohawk leather yeah. jacket nose ring punks, and they all just came. You know, whoever whoever they used in the eighties just came to be in Rumble in the Bronx. I think that's and sort I, of how Chinese people feel when they see a movie that American people make about Chinese people. <laughs> it could be that that's what people feel like when they see a gang of teenagers. I mean, I remember my mother, my <laughs> my dad's wife came to visit uh, us. I keep going back to Europe, but I spent a lot of time in Europe in the olden days. And we we met one time in Switzerland, and my there was like some guy with a giant blue mohawk and a weird, stupid plastic coat, you know, with like <laughs> rings all over it, and she said. Should we walk on the other side of the street? I said, no, not from him. <laughs> see, yeah. see all that violent stuff he's wearing? That's, that's as far as it goes with the violence on this guy. <laughs> it's a, he's done it. He's not going to stab you now. See the guy on the other side that's just wearing like a grayish coat? Don't walk over near him. I like the idea of roving gangs of punk rockers. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, because I think now, like, n- like nowadays, like if someone did have like e- eccentric colored hair and like, like that's a nerd basically now, yeah, right. you know, like, <laughs> and I probably was even back then too. I mean, I guess maybe like, you know, it was yeah. all the violence was in the style. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, maybe if you were at like one of the first black flag concerts or something like that was yeah. kind of dangerous, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that it's so funny that. Yeah. Surf punks might've been a little bit more, but the thing is yeah, my yeah. little girls, when they saw the, that gang, they were like, they were scared. Oh, funny. Huh? They don't know what a real gang is. Hmm. They go to school with gangs. That's like, <laughs> they're I mean, a, Rohan? Yeah. No, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> they're just oblivious to... Yeah. They don't know that what Rohan's brother has up in store up in his attic. <laughs> well, if you, would have, uh, if you would have sat to the end of that movie, there's a really funny scene where a hovercraft runs over a guy, and then you can see his butt. 
Oh, really? <laughs> because he got run over, and then I remember in high school just like dying at that, like ah, oh, genius. <laughs> because you know why though? Hmm. Because the shit is hilarious. Yeah, sure. Jackie Chan movies are rad. They did, for sure. they did it in Road Warrior, the first one. Every Second time one. that stupid fucking Jackie Chan shit happens, and he kicks someone's pants down or something, yeah. I think it's fucking hilarious. Sure. It's they like one of the funniest things. over a tent in Road Warrior, and the tent went off, and there was two people in there, and one of them, their butt was sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> great. Great. Some comedy. They're not kind of cutting some fingers off right now. So is that one of, is that, would that you say that's one of your boxes that you can tick for enjoying a movie if, if an accident happens that exposes a butt? No, no. no. Okay. That, that is, no. It might be for me. It's not a special effect. It's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. Movie. And it's not tits. That's fair enough. Fair enough. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. A Jordan Morris, boy detective. And. You, you have to say my name. You're the host. No, you have to say I'm it. I'm a co host. I'm Tony We Millionaire. already said it one time. I'm the famous cartoonist, Tony Millionaire. <laughs> Tony Millionaire, by the way, the author of the new book, 500 Portraits. I'm author slash artist of the new book. Are you still the author if it's a book of portraits? I'm the author because if you read it, there's a very interesting, a very there's some interesting anecdotes. funny story in there. There's some anecdotes. It's a basic, the theme is basically about how I consider 85% of all people, no matter where you go, to be bogus. Now, I use the word bogus... Because, because you're when, one of the... Because I'm from the generation where when you said bogus, it meant something awful. And then became became Bell's Great Adventure, and bogus became something like... It, sure, know, that's... that's what, so bogus is what happens when um, Billy the Kid and Genghis Khan are being chased through the mall, and they wander out onto the ice rink and slip and fall. Right. That bogus. Be, yeah. yeah. Where I came from, that bogus just meant something that was... It actually meant counterfeit marijuana. Is what it started. As. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. If you had kind of if you had kind of marijuana that was made out of like some bullshit somebody found in his backyard, mixed with a little bit of mint leaves, yeah, and you bought it, and you're like, "This is bogus." That's huh. what it came from. That's uh, what, a, and what a neat everything fact. Was bogus. What a neat fact. Yeah. So my Fucking brother Lenny, my brother Lenny, even now, even now, called me up on the phone, and he, instead of saying, "Oh, he just say, Tone, you're bogus." <laughs> in fact, he said that about my first wife. Want to hear the story? Was he right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would like to hear the story. Okay, when I was in Germany, uh, back to Europe again, I, when I first got there, I had no money. I ran out of money real fast. And I, so I put an ad in the paper that said, American student of art will do anything for money. So I got a lot of calls for back rubs and whatever, you know, <laughs> from men that wanted me to come over and help them relax. Because sure. they just then, assumed that student of art was code for homosexual. Right. Well, they just figured we'll do absolutely anything for money meant you will do absolutely anything. Yeah. It wasn't really true. But I was just like trying to cast a broad net. Yeah, sure. So I got this woman who was Turkish who wanted to be married so that she could get a green card and she could go to America because in, she wanted to be a filmmaker. And in Turkey or in Berlin, she was not, a, she really didn't have many, many rights as a woman. As a woman in Turkey and as a German in Germany. Hmm. So, right. because Turks are not considered, they're, they're treated badly in Germany. They're like, hmm. you know, the last, the lower class of people. There's a lot of Turks in, Germany, in Berlin, hmm. in Germany. So anyway, so we got married and um, I met my, my wife looked like Alice from the Brady Bunch, but was much less funny. <laughs> <laughs> Alice but was tried really to funny. be funny. Yeah, yeah. And so my brother Lenny came <clears throat> for a visit and he said... Uh, 
I said, Lenny, this is my wife, Nilifer. And he, Nilifer turned to him and said, Oh, Lenny, you will be the uncle of our children, and they will all call you Uncle Lenny. And Lenny turned to me and he said, Tone, your wife is bogus. And then he turned around and walked across the street and went to a bar. <laughs> She's just standing there. She says, what is bogus? I said, ah, bogus means it's like a slang term for kind of like simpatico, like kind of cool, you know? Oh, nice. Okay. So you covered for it. Yeah. Well, she was so stupid, she believed me. <laughs> stupid Turks. Yeah. Is that uh, the moral of the story? Did I interpret that correctly? I wouldn't say stupid Turks. Yeah. Watch it. There's a lot of very intelligent Turkish people. That's yeah. true. <laughs> but Nilifer Arpat was not one of them. <laughs> I don't actually think that Turks are Three years later, I got a divorce they, in the mail. With I no think letter. that Armenians are stupid. Yeah, there you Wait go. a minute. No, Jesse, look at I'm not go. taking sides in the ethnic conflict between Turks and Armenians. Yeah, you know, but if anyone, if there's any Turkish men who would like to hot oil wrestle me, <laughs> absolutely anything for $1,000. I am at 1242. You the that is that is the genuine theme of the anecdotes in this book. They're they're often anecdotes about your travels in Europe. They're typically anecdotes about you trying to determine the exact percentage of humanity that is bogus. Right. <laughs> in fact, you it, you even manage at one point you include in the in the uh portraits of people that you have in here mm-hmm. a series of animal portraits. Um, you sure. have reflections on the animal portraits. You managed to turn your reflections on the animal portraits into a commentary on whether or not animal portrait reflections can be allowed to be about what percentage of humanity is broken. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured how that went. <laughs> I did find one group of people that was very, it was 100% not bogus at all, which is my own family. I mean, my own immediate family. There's plenty of members of my Extended family. Thank you. Yeah. Extended family. They're quite bogus. Hmm. But my own wife and two kids, they're fantastic. Like 100% Oh, great. that's great. Yeah, I you know. would hate to have to live with a bogus. Yeah, there would be, there's usually one bogus, even sure. in a group of four. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you beat the odds. Yeah, oh, you did. I mean, yeah, I mean, at least one in four people is bogus. Even so. the dog is totally cool. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, nothing worse than a bogus dog. But when I went to Italy, I got in the... I was getting on the bus... And these women kept all these, especially these like fat older women that were like pushing me out of the way, trying to crowd on the bus. I'm like, I'm standing here. <laughs> hey, everybody, how about getting in the line? And they were like, not even paying attention to me. <laughs> like, whatever. They were just getting on the bus. They don't get out of the way. You know what I mean? And so then I was, I just realized, wait a minute, it's not that they're Italian, it's that 85% of them are doing this. 15% of them are not crowding on the bus. <laughs> so, there you bogus. Know. Bogus. You, I enjoyed reading the story of how you learned that uh, people in your in your squat in Berlin were bogus, who you had oh, yeah. previously believed to not be bogus because they all seemed like they were being so nice to you. Yeah, it turned out they were not really that nice. What's a they squat? Were just a squatted house is a house that was empty for a long time and then was taken over by hipsters and hippies and punks hmm. and reclaimed by the people. By the people. <laughs> and this happened, of course, a lot in England and Germany and uh, other countries. But in America, if you did it, as my friend Mark Stewart, who's famous now as the part of the band called The Negro Problem, and also n- recently he calls himself Stu. Hmm. You ever heard of Stu? Uh, I mean... Just won a Tony for uh, some play he did. Oh, I didn't know. Anyway, he was a black guy, so he could say things like this. He said, if you did that in New York, suddenly there'd be a fat Jewish man out front going, What? <laughs> and you wouldn't be squatting the house anymore. 
So, <laughs> so, um, so I it was a place that you could go to, and if yeah. you knew somebody there, you'd get a room, and you could say there was a guest, and after a certain amount of time, they'd either kick you out or not. And I didn't know what they were talking about. I mm-hmm. thought they were all palsy, but they were not. And one time there was a big meeting, and they said, and I realized after a while they were kind of talking about me. Because you, you didn't, they were speaking a language that you didn't speak very well. I didn't realize that everybody, most people in Germany speak German. And this they do it all the time. I it's thought it was true. Like a, I thought it was like, a, you know, it's something you do at Christmas. You thought it was like 50-50 at I best. I didn't know that they, yeah, I thought they usually speak English. And then, you know, when they want to be old-fashioned, they speak German. But no, they don't. Just, yeah, when, like when, you're, when you're at a Steinhoist, you want yeah. to speak German. But other than that, there's basically no reason to. Parents yeah. weekend, everybody speaks German, mm-hmm. of course. Well, like in Ireland, I mean, do people speak Gaelic all the time? No. No. They speak Irish. They speak Irish sometimes, but well, sure. they speak English. When do they speak Gaelic? Mostly when the chieftains are playing right. and they're going from polling place to polling place, <laughs> drinking right. and voting. Exactly, exactly. Cutting their haircuts, they can vote twice. <laughs> you know how Edgar Allan Poe died? Yes, I actually did know that that's how Edgar Allan Yeah, he died. died. He died from like he got too drunk when he was in the, in the middle of a drunk voting scam. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Anyway, <laughs> go on. You so were they, saying so about this. Meeting, so then all of a sudden this, this girl turns to me and says, Tony, the people of the, of the plenum would like to know. The plenum is the, is the mm-hmm. weekly meeting. Yeah. If you would know when does, what day does the trash go out on the street? I was like, oh, I had no idea. I said, Wednesday? And they all shot in the dark, fiercely arguing, like, look, and pointing at me. And then about 20 minutes later, they said, I'm sorry, we decided you have to go. What? Because I was not, like, you know, a part of the group. Yeah, sure. You weren't weren't doing trash duty. You were neglecting the chore wheel. I was not aware (laughs) of the chore wheel. I did what they told me, but it wasn't like I was really contributing. Yeah. I was obviously there for a free place, which I was. Where did you go after that? Where, where did you, once, once kicked out of the then squatter's I went, paradise? I, I went over to the punk squad. That was easy. They, all you had to do was stay away from the dog shit on the stairway, and you were fine. Oh, nice. So you just, and they robbed me a couple of times, but I didn't <laughs> I mean, they were real punks. So you are just doing some squat hopping. I squat hopped a lot. Okay. Yeah. It was cheap. At one point, I, if I remember this correctly from when you were on The Sound of Young America, you found, your, you found a career doing door-to-door architectural drawing. <laughs> You can call it architectural drawing if you like. Basically, it was a picture of, you know, picture somebody's house on a cod. I started in college, or even before college, when I, like, just didn't have any money and I hated washing dishes. And one day I went to the library, drew a picture of a house, carried it around out to the Eastern Point in Gloucester, where the, in Manchester, where the big mansions are, and I just started knocking on doors. And the second house I knocked on, I said, you want a drawing of your house? And held up my drawing. And they said, yeah, how much? Who wouldn't? So I started. (laughs) So that's what a drawing is. 25 bucks, I did it. And I was like, well, great. Now I have a, you know, in those days, that was a day's work. (laughs) Would you like a drawing uh, of your wife naked? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I would. And I held up a drawing of his wife naked. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I actually did hire me to draw his wife. Not not naked, but that didn't work Provocatively, yeah. No, it was just a portrait, but it was a portrait with the horse. I mean, <laughs> when I started out doing 25 bucks, I just kept raising the prices, and I realized the higher the prices went, the more they wanted them. Oh, so, yeah. like, I don't want a $25 drawing of a house. I want a $200 drawing. So, right. You know, after a oh, while. Oh, 200 one's better. Yeah, but it was all seasonal. It only worked, like, just before Christmas and during the summer. Springtime was good, too. <laughs> but in wintertime, forget it. You're walking around in a blizzard saying you want to draw your house, and people are just slamming their doors. Get the, what the fuck? There's a crazy person out there. Drawing houses. Yeah, drawing my house. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not a snowbank. Wait, so here's my here's but my. He, I had to draw. Let me let me interrupt you just for a yeah. second. He he hired me to draw his wife next to their horse, but I was like, a portrait of a, like a beautiful woman is really hard. A portrait of a dude is okay because you can just draw a big lumpy noses and stuff, and then you know everybody's goofy looking. <laughs> yeah, that's what and dudes. A, that's what dudes are like. Yeah, yeah. Ugly, a big scrawny neck and a hooked nose, and you're, hey, it looks just like me. <laughs> <laughs> but her, it was impossible. So I drew the horse five times in charcoal. I had to do charcoal because the portrait was really, I mean, this was before I knew how to do portraits. What I do now is take photographs and go home and do it carefully. But so then I drew the, this woman, and I drew it four times, and each time it looked more and more horrifying. It looked like, uh, what's the name of that reporter that married Casper uh, Weinberger? Uh, I don't know. You know, the one that's on CNN. Wolf Blitzer. No, Wolf Blitzer's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> look like Wolf Blitzer. I, I'm horrified every time I see Wolf Blitzer. I'm pretty sure. It I looks, have to turn away. You're saying it looked like Wolf Blitzer, right? Yeah. So they look like more and more like Wolf Blitzer the further I went. <laughs> Finally, I just said, forget it. I gave him the lat. He goes, all right, I'll pay you. I don't care. I'll just pay you for the moment just the horse. <laughs> oh, wow. I just couldn't well, do it. Well, so how did you? I mean, how I know I've seen your portraits in the Believer. Mm-hmm. I know you make portraits for the Believer. Yeah. So are you? How are you making these? Are you making these from life? Are you making them from? Uh, are you making them from <clears throat> photographs? Are you having people sit for you and then making them from photographs? Yeah, I, all the uh, the famous writers and uh, artists all across the world, they fly me out to like, Germany, right. New York, sure. San Francisco. Why well, the thing is, a believer no, has all not. this money. I go to Google search. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I go to Google image search and get down pictures of people, and then I just look at the photograph. I mean, the, the, but the thing is, I try to find candid photographs, though I have been sued. Really? Using, I used a famous rock photographer's photograph once. I can't mention who it was or who I drew because there's a gag order on it. Oh boy! But it was—I was sued for five million dollars. I'll say that. Of course, the n- number was much lower, and I didn't have to pay it because it wasn't my mistake. But I was given a photograph, and I drew it. The, and it turned out to be the famous photographer's photograph. Look, I'll, I'll say it: the photographer was Ansel Adams, and the rock star was Half Dome. Oh no, he's probably Ansel Adams' uh, famous a mountain named Half Dome. <laughs> it's probably Ansel Adams' famous uh, portraits of Creed, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Didn't he also do a bunch of Creed? <laughs> Credence, yeah. Creed. Do you, is Creed is Creed still a good comedy target, or is that played out? Like when if you wanted to make fun of Creed, is that? Is that just is that just yeah, beating the dead horse? I think it's done. Yeah, I'm not very. Uh, I think you got to talk about square aware, so I don't now. really know what Creed is. Is it a band? Uh, Creed is a band. They were very popular in the mid '90s. They sounded like Pearl Jam, but with real dumb songs that were like vaguely religious. Like they didn't come out and say "Except Jesus," but here's you the problem. Knew that's what the deal would, was. Jesus would be cool. Here's yeah. the problem: you want to make fun of a rock and roll thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one likes rock and roll music anymore, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's no thing to make fun of anymore. Sure, Striper. Uh, there's <laughs> yeah, you can take some shots at Striper. <laughs> Everyone's in agreement on that. When I watch, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll watch uh, the David Letterman show or mm-hmm. I'll watch the uh, Conan O'Brien show, and uh, the music acts on those are almost always rock acts. Mm-hmm. I mean, seventy-five, eighty percent of the time. Sure. And um, you know, sometimes it'll be. 
I don't know, Paul Simon or something. Someone that was famous back when musicians were famous, famous. When a musician was famous to all kinds of people. You know what I mean? That's like, not the case anymore? No, not at all. And I don't know. Like I you, to whatever my wife puts on the, in the car. I think mm-hmm. musicians can still be, make very successful careers, uh, but there's only like four famous musicians anymore, and they're all uh, Lady Gaga in different outfits. And Cher. Yeah. Cher. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there hasn't been, uh, there basically hasn't been a successful rock act since what? Lincoln Park? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say yeah, Radiohead. I mean, nobody that's still actively touring. That's still really? something. Yeah. And that was do, what are they 20 years ago now. What do they do now? Don't they tour? They tour. Yeah. Who? Uh, Radiohead. No, I mean, but what do, what do, um, yeah, what do people Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's plenty of, what, what there's tons of, to? there's tons of mid-level bands. Uh-huh. There's tons of bands that are famous to people that like that band. There's plenty of people making money from music. It's not a collapse of the music industry. It's just that the top level mm-hmm. is gone. And so the and that is the bands that used to perform on late night television. And this oh, is so there doubly used to be fifty bands, and now there's four hundred and fifty. And this is doubly and perhaps triply true of rock music because rock's share of that has gone from fifty percent or whatever it was fifteen years ago, uh, twenty years ago, uh, twenty five years ago, it was seventy percent or whatever to. Five or ten percent, you know, country music and hip hop are sixty percent of the records being sold. Seventy-five percent of the records being sold, and rock is fifteen percent or something. I thought um, Selena Gomez was the big rock star. Didn't oh, she's huge. She's huge. Yeah. And uh, she actually OD'd in a hotel room this weekend. So, uh-oh. so that's uh-oh. gone. Oh, that was the that was the pretty one that went into the drugs, right? It was, yeah. Oh wait, sorry. Somebody did OD this weekend. I That's shouldn't right. have. That was. I was not trying to. <laughs> I was just making a general OD joke. That was oh, not okay. a specific OD joke. Yeah. I apologize. But too soon. Too soon. Too soon. I'd, only been six hours. I think. I'm sorry. I'm such a ghoul. <laughs> what? What? I, I should have done that on Twitter. Where that's okay. What I like. Uh, what I enjoy about watching these shows and their like picks is that they are clinging so enthusiastically. To the idea that people still like rock music. Well, I think that there, maybe there's also don't. there's also an element to it of just it's just a rock band is fun to watch on TV. You know, like you you know you, you can want to have see play the guitar not for yeah you for can, people sure. that work on those shows. Sure. Well, I mean, I would would you say that would you say that having having a just a pop singer up there is I guess if they have a big they have dancers get dancers and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, maybe that's it. Yes, I think it is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, more so than one of these rock, one of these indie rock bands. And look, I, this is not an indictment of indie rock, sure. which is a genre of music that, I mean, I was going to say that I enjoy. I frankly, I don't. But um, <laughs> relative to relative to other genres of music that I that I you know relative to pop music, certainly I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife puts on an Avid Brothers CD or whatever. I'm fine with listening to that. It doesn't bother me. Mm. You know when? The- yeah, I've actually got to the point where it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who, who the person you're referring to is at all, but I do know that when the music goes on, I'm like, you know what? I can't hear anybody telling jokes. I, I want to hear. I have conversations with like my kids or the neighbors or whatever, and then there's somebody going loud out. And then one day we went to the <laughs> river. Yeah, who cares? Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> out of the I can't hear all the jokes. Not many breaks. <laughs> Once you pause for seconds with the singing, sure, you can tell. So we can make a joke. 
then pick, then pick it up again later. Um, but there, but you know, so I, I mean, God bless those people. But when, but this, this like third tier rock and roll act that goes on these shows, yeah. It's yeah. a little sad. Yeah, to me. no, I guess your, I guess your, I guess your mopiest indie rock band is as unfun to watch as your mopiest boring acoustic guitar lady or whatever. Yeah, and those people don't go on uh, television. It's the, I saw Boney Bear singing the other day, and I was very happy. Oh, yeah. Everybody said Boney Bear. You know who I'm talking about? I yeah, do. sure. I say Bon Iver, but whatever. <laughs> but that's just because I like to pronounce it, it wrong. I, See, I being hard of hearing, I never remember people's names. You know, I'm will I willfully mispronounce Bon Iver at this point, just to be just to rattle oh. cages. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't rattle very many cages because there's so many bands. That's, that's my Occupy Wall Street is mispronouncing Bon says, Iver. There's so many bands that nobody cares anyway. Yeah. Oh, listen, I'm making a weird sound while I drink water. No, that is weird. That's interesting. I really didn't know anything about the the yeah. new collapse of the rock band. I just I that's all I have to say about it. You could just book a rapper sometimes. That's all. <laughs> I guess I just like rap music, and I just feel oh, like this is about that they don't ten they years don't ago book bands that people actually do want to hear, like Bon Iver. Well, I mean, they don't. They barely even look. I don't enjoy. Bear does now and then. I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy... Well, people don't like Bon Iver. I mean, people like Bon Iver. <laughs> people that listen to this program like Bon Iver. Sure. My wife likes Bon Iver. Uh-huh. Uh, but people... Is that, no one on board with saying Bon Iver? Can we all... Can anybody back okay, me up on bon, this? I, I'm, in, I'm on board for Yay! this Bon Iver thing. I'm in. Great. Count me in. Fine. Great. We're an army of two. Look, people... Like three. I'm, I'm with you. Are you... Bon. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank I you. I just call him Bon. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, what do, what do people like? Let's make a list of the rock bands that people like. Vampire Weekend. There, Creedence done. Sure. Oh, I think people don't oh, like Vampire Weekend Florence, anymore. Florence the Machine. Sure. That's it. I think, I think Florence the Machine is more... I think she's just a lady. I don't think the Machine is a band. But that's like a semi-rock act, though, right? Well, there's uh, never been any American bands. All I, guess bands I, have, I guess I lumped her in with Lady Gaga. I thought oh, she yeah. was a lady. Like All a the lady bands Gaga have always been thing. British, haven't they? And then in America, it's always been one singer and a bunch of musicians. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh know. no! I forget. I'm not in the '80s anymore. Is you think that there's <laughs> the that, '70s? I mean that that part of why you don't see more rap on TV is a combination of it. The having... fact that rappers can't show up for shit. Yeah, I think that is. Central. You know, I, I was gonna say yeah. Definitely, when I worked on Fuel TV, um, um, they said that was the reason they didn't book more rappers because just fifty percent of the time they just wouldn't show up. Yeah, but I... do you think a part of it? Uh, but do you think part of it is also just that? For most, there would have to be so much beeping, and I think I've all, I even heard you say that sometimes that there's a there, the the number of rappers who can perform at a high level live is actually pretty low. Is that true? Yeah, but I mean, uh, uh, I I mean that's kind of true, but the reality is that um, most of these acts kind of suck live. I mean, frankly, having watched, I've been watching a lot of Conan lately. Sure. And um, I don't know. Maybe you're getting something out of watching these rock bands perform that I'm not getting. Uh, but generally, I, they I, just. Well, I mainly turn off the musical performance. Yeah, generally, they just yeah. stand there. Sure. So I don't know what it is that's so compelling about them just standing there. Well, isn't this all just kind of decided by men who sit around and look at numbers and say, well, the people who watch our television show no. aren't going to watch rap? No, it's decided. This, so let's no, put this on it. it's not. That's the thing. It's decided by a person who decides it. 
Oh, it's, it's decided like a, by oh, a that's booker. Right, it's TV. I forgot. Yeah, it, that's the weird part. <laughs> it's decided by someone who's making this an Mary arbitrary. Show, yeah, Mary Tyler Moore show will never go anywhere. Yeah, those guys. Exactly. It's They're decided. It's decided. Well, technically, I would say that it's decided by someone who is trying to exercise an aesthetic judgment and also afraid of <clears> those people that you're describing. <clears> sort of a balance of those things, and it's a person who who uh, uh, likes Bon Iver. <laughs> Uh, and Radiohead. It's all decided uh, by Andy Richter. Knows <laughs> Andy Richter personally. Knows that sometimes they're supposed to book a country person. Mm-hmm. Uh, knows that they're supposed to like most deaf, and that's about it. Mm. Yeah. That's how I would summarize it. Okay, look. I shut this down with my... <laughs> sure. By making a judgment about someone you've never met. Describing someone you've never met. That's that person, though, right? You you can't disagree with that assessment. I have no idea. I have no idea how it works. I no. I, I I do. I did know the guy who booked the bands on Fuel TV, um, and he had a pretty good musical palette. On Fuel TV. Oh What's yeah, that That's, uh, that was something I used to work for. Well, Fuel TV did a, your, the show that you worked on mm-hmm. did a pretty exceptional job of booking music acts. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job, and and the guy said that the, he he realized that the audience probably wanted to see more rap than he was booking, but a combination of. Um, them having to beep too much stuff and them not showing up half the time was why he didn't what do it. What station was that on? Oh boy, channel six twelve. Like? You got to have a big, uh, you got to have a pretty pretty intense cable package to get it. I'm pretty confused by that whole them by by the having to beep too much stuff thing. I, I've always been baffled by that. Like once you've beeped it, isn't that settled? There's some sort of weird, arbitrary, ever changing rule of how many beeps you can have in a thing. Oh, uh, we should explain with it is, standards and practices. Yeah, it is yeah, not. Yeah. It is, this is not a government rule. Oh this no, no, yeah, this is whoever, level. and and it you know it it absolutely changed based on the persnicketiness of whoever was running the standards and practices mm. uh, department at that particular time, and it was always changing, and new rules came in, and you know rules I, left. It was it's a very weird imperfect uh lame system i will say that based on my personal experience Mm. that the thing about rappers not showing up for stuff is a thousand percent legitimate (laughs) ten (laughs) ten thousand percent legitimate like yeah it's totally racist i'm totally being racist but although i will say both both (laughs) rappers of the case of with rock bands like when the johnny carson days i'm sure it was the same with like let's get credence clearwater and they were all like well let's show up on the the other end it was johnny carson so there's only like two two stations that had or maybe one that had late night talk radio anyway but i'm sure like when you know Jim Morrison showed up. They were afraid he was going to be all high, so they wouldn't. Jim, but that's what's what happened with the Ed Sullivan show. See, Ed Sullivan show. See, now I'm going back to my era. <laughs> Remember when Ed Sullivan told Jim <laughs> not to say that bad thing about America? Sure, well, he did anyway. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Fibber McGee and Molly, shall we? <laughs> let's do. You Fibber McGee was all right, but that Molly. <laughs> oh yeah, she was terrible. He had to carry her the whole time. We'll be back in just a second. I drug Jessica. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And me, the famous cartoonist, Tony Millionaire. Uh, sponsors this week. Oh, man. Uh, we, got a, we got a new sponsor this week, Jordan. Mm. First of all, let's talk about our most devoted sponsor of our, all. Make, <laughs> yes. <laughs> MakePixelArt.com. Hey, if... <laughs> 
If you drink the, enough beer, it's probably more fun. Sure. Yeah, this is a Let's great... talk about our new sponsor, the erection-killing magic of opium. <laughs> Do you just want to hang out with some other gay dudes? Try some opium. <laughs> Tony, you've probably all these years been using stupid tools like pencils and graphite and charcoal that was uh, break and to make your drawings. Fingers. Yeah, they cut my hands. You should be using a mouse to make uh, 8 and 16-bit style uh, pixel art drawings on mm. makepixelart.com. That's my pitch to you. It's a lot of pixels. Uh, we have a new sponsor this week on the program, Stack Soap. Uh, this is, I, I got on the uh, horn with the uh, creator of this stuff. Uh, this is a Kickstarter project for a new style of soap. Uh, it is a soap. I mean, you've, I mean, you've heard me rant against the fact that how stale soap has gotten. Why have there been no soap innovations in oh. the past 200 years? Jordan, I think this one will appear, appeal to you uh, as, as a well-known miser. Sure. Um, so the premise of this soap is that a- as your soap gets thinner and thinner, uh, it gets to the end, and at the end, you have this sliver, and it's not very useful because oh, it's it constantly slipping, and it's really <laughs> annoying, and it's hard... Well, you can put it in your butt. Is no, that no, what no, you're I saying? Draw with, I draw with it. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, right, neat. Wait, you draw with it? Sometimes. What do you draw? When I'm trying to get out of the idea of putting it up my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so I can uh, do one of two things with this. So uh, <laughs> it gets it gets to this it gets to the sliver phase, and you're supposed to press it onto the next bar. Yeah. Right I've to combine heard it. That sure. So, but the problem is that it doesn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy has created this soap, and I'm not making this up. This is real. This is a real product. With a concave top, he's engineered this soap with a concave top. So when you get down to the sliver, you press your old bar into your new bar, and there's a depression there already for it, so it makes a perfectly round bar. That's great. Does that make sense? I support this 100%. There's basically a slot, a perfect slot for your bar that you press it right into. And Mm. even like the logo... with a hole in it? Mm -hmm. The the (laughs) logo... Oh, God. Anyway... um, No, it's very good. You could probably sell it even to the French. It's good stuff. They don't use soap. Anyway, 1,000 listeners, uh, special offer. You can get a six-bar pack and pay what you think it's worth. Uh, Go to stacksoap.com. You can check out the Kickstarter from there uh, a thousand people can get six bars of this wow. stuff and uh, pay whatever you think these six bars are worth uh, I think it is an amazing albeit ridiculous invention <laughs> <laughs> um, we also of course have the Jumbotron nothing up on the Jumbotron this week but if you want to get up on the Jumbotron with your announcement um, it's cheap it's easy just go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron it works just like the Jumbotron at the ballpark uh, give us a couple hundred bucks and you get your message up there, whether it's a birthday or uh, whatever it is. MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. If you want to get a commercial message on the show, email our development director, Teresa, at Teresa at MaximumFun.org. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Tony Millionaire, famous cartoonist. Uh, when something momentous happens to you, we ask that you give us a telephone call for momentous occasions. And t- holy shit, that's what you've done. Hello, Jordan. Jesse Go. This is Michael from Boston. I'm calling with a momentous occasion in which I had a dream about LeVar Burton's possum puppy-made paintings, which was 
basically LeVar Burton in an infomercial for a paint. Wait a minute. LeVar Burton's possum awesome. puppy made paintings. Okay, so this is LeVar Burton the paintings in an infomercial. The paintings of possums made by, made puppies, by puppies that are owned by that are, LeVar Burton. Yeah, yeah. It okay. makes sense so far. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm on board. Okay, let's, let's go back to the tape. Let's hear what else. In an infomercial for paintings he had helped create by dipping puppies' paws in paint. And I wrote it down because I was laughing. I woke up. So that was pretty interesting. Okay, thanks. Bye. And then nothing happened because it was just a dream. And LeVar Burton could see again. Where did yeah. the possums come into this? Yeah. The brush. Were they paintings of possums? Oh, the possums. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that so what a puppy, why would a puppy want to paint a painting of a possum? Because they want to paint their enemies. Oh. I don't know if you've ever... I don't know if you, power. I don't know if you've ever... You know, you've had any possums come around the house, Jesse. But I remember growing up when there was a possum in the yard. I mean, there's nothing the dog hated more than that possum being in the yard. Right, right. So yeah, maybe this is a situation where like cavemen would paint buffaloes on the wall of their cave. You know... They painted what they hated the most. So you're saying it's sort of talismanic. Yeah, exactly. Or so. they painted what they wanted to eat. If they painted buffalo and, and, yeah. and uh, antelope, mm-hmm. maybe the puppy is painting what it wants to eat, the possum. Yeah. By the way, have you guys seen this beautiful painting I made of a sticky bun? It's <laughs> beautiful. He likes to eat them. You just dipped your paws in the paint. <laughs> yep. It's also true that you're a, a possum... Painting a possum is a lot easier than a than a raccoon because you have to just draw a round, smooth head. Yeah, yeah, and then a ball of fur, and then a long, skinny tail. Even a possum, even a puppy could do that. Easy. Have you drawn any possums, Tony? Have uh, you any possum characters? Oh my god, I will. Yeah, watch, sure. easy watch to draw. Next week's monkeys, you'll see one. <laughs> You're like the new Bob Ross, by the way. You just fucking blew the roof off of the art community. You really opened the doors to amateur artists across America to be able to create their own possums at home. It's just simple. By the way, I equate drawing a picture of something with creating it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that those are one and the same because I don't have a firm grasp of reality. I also struggle with object permanence. Sure. <laughs> So, Why did you make so you a lot think of that drawing yeah. a possum actually gives you a real alive possum? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. Well, it doesn't like create it right there, but eat. somewhere in the world, a possum materializes. Right, as long as as long as you laugh. Right, or tinkle, or get published, <laughs> or make a sacrifice to Satan. Okay, this is another animal one. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Jesse. Third person. Uh, this is Justin in Baltimore, Maryland. I was listening to your last episode. A listener called in with a squirrel sex story, and it reminded me of a squirrel sex story that I have that I think rivals or perhaps even surpasses that squirrel sex story. You can decide. Um, nope, it doesn't, because you're not calling in when it happens, and that's how it rivals or surpasses, but I will you allow you to play tell No, I, I understand. I, I, yeah, this retroactive momentous occasion thing. Not, we encourage people to call exactly when it happens. Usually, we encourage people to put 206-984-4-FUN into their cellular telephone Wait. so that they can call immediately when shit goes down. When shit is going down is when you should be calling. Yeah. Wait, if this guy fucked a squirrel, even if it happened two years ago, I think we should listen to the story. No, no, you're, you know what? Tony's right. We should, we should allow that maybe this story includes a man fucking a squirrel. If he didn't right. fuck the squirrel, then you should cut him off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's fair. Let's, let's listen. But I'm just saying. But sure, no, yeah, for you the should future. Have it, for future reference, you should have it in your phone so that if you find yourself fucking a squirrel or yeah. driving an ambulance boat 
or just doing something awesome, hanging on a rope off of a Zeppelin yeah. or other dirigible. If you, if you get run over by a hovercraft and your butt becomes exposed. <laughs> then you'll have the number handy. You won't have to try and remember it. Okay, let's go back to the tape. I was walking out into my driveway and I hear some rustling up in the tree above and I see two squirrels having what appears to be non-consensual squirrel sex, um, judging by the way the one on the bottom was struggling. No. Uh, suddenly the branch they were on snapped, plow. and now the squirrels are dangling by this tree branch, the first squirrel hanging on for dear life, the second squirrel holding on to that squirrel and continuing to thrust, and the squirrel lets go, they fall, bounce off the hood of my car, the male one runs away, and the female sits there and stares at me with an accusing look. Uh, maybe I should have done something or stepped in. I don't know. It it should filled have. me with a lot of conflicting emotions. Called so, the RA. There you go. Thanks. He, Bye. He should have, he should have continued the fucking. The yeah, he should have. The scroll was hot. Yeah, the scroll was not. I mean, I can't imagine she, she was able to finish up. No. She wanted to keep, keep the. Because, like, with, with wild animals, all fucking is non consensual. Yeah. It's rape. That's how they make each other. So this guy, this squirrel, is looking at him, was many years ago, whatever, looking at him, th- saying, come on, you're going to finish the job or not? And this guy just, you know... Dropped the ball. Dropped the ball and didn't even call. Yeah, I don't know that that was two years old good. Yeah. It was okay. I mean, if, if, if you were calling in the aftermath, I would have found that acceptable. It's but... basically two squirrels fucking each other. That's, yeah. You know. And they fell on a car. Eh. His car. I mean, while he was in it. Yeah. If they had fallen through his sunroof... No, that would have been fun. That would have been fun. Or if while they were falling, they um, they uh, took out little umbrellas so they would fall slower. <laughs> or if they started to talk. Yeah, or if they started to talk. But yeah, yeah. Or if they were flying squirrels. No, that would that have been good. Or yeah. if they were gerbils. Sure. I mean, <laughs> these are all that these called, are all things that, that could have ger- been. Isn't that gerbil? <laughs> Not if you want to say it a funny way. <laughs> gerbil. Gerbil. Bon Iver. <laughs> These are the ways to pronounce things. <laughs> You're learning a lot on this program, Tony. I, I thought you you probably figured you'd you'd have you'd have some fun when you came here, but I yeah. don't think that you knew that you'd learn a lot too. Mm. The show is about kind of comedy a little bit, but mostly about pronunciation and diction. I'd call it a dramedy. Yeah, <laughs> it's really a dramedy with kind of notes of punctuation and diction. We have a we have a uh, moment of shame here, so I'm going to listen to this. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Jesse. Hey, guest. Um, I just had a moment of shame. I was walking across the campus of the college I attend, and there's lots of very pretty girls at this college. I was uh, walking behind one uh, in a pretty standard outfit, short shorts, sneakers, um, light blue hoodie, and uh, admiring her legs. And then when she stopped and turned around, she turned out to be a roughly 45-year-old man. So, not sure how to feel about that. Hope you're having a great day. Bye. Awesome. You just doubled your chances of scoring tonight, my friend. Yeah, sweet dude. You're you're a little bit gay. That's awesome. That is Congratulations. Great. I thought he was wearing the hot, the short shorts. <laughs> I think yeah, I well no, I think the fella was wearing That's some like short shorts. That's when he said standard I was wearing some standard clothing, some short shorts. I thought, this is going to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it he, was the man. When yeah. he says, sta- I mean, he just means that he's in the military. 
Yeah, these are right. standard issue short shorts. But you're right. He would have a better chance getting laid by that guy. Yeah, probably. That's great. I mean, you know, seems like seems like the gay men of the world have have an easier chance of getting laid than the straight men of the world. That's so a good if, point. I if said he a little bit gay. That's great. I said he doubled his chance. That was a sort of arith- arithmetic uh, determination because right. I figured if he had previously thought that he only was into ladies, and then now, I mean, now he found out he's into oh. ladies and dudes. But actually, the reality is that... Maybe if, more like a quadruple. If you're a dude who's into dudes, I mean, you can get laid. They have a thing on their There's telephone. There's an app. There's they a- have a sex app. It buzzes when you're close to sex. We've, we've been <laughs> over this before, but it's fucking amazing. They have an app. They do? They, yeah. And let's be clear. I, wa- I want to be absolutely clear here that when we talk about this... Mm-hmm. If you have any concern... It's coming from a place of fear and prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, this is, it is an amazing and beautiful culture that I respect and admire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Are you talking about gayness? Yes. Oh, okay. It's an amazing and beautiful culture that I respect and admire. I've never heard anybody defend themselves that so elaborately. <laughs> well, I just don't. I just don't want anyone to think that no. uh, that we're that we're mocking a world in which dudes <laughs> have an app to have sex with each other. It's great. I genuinely. I mean, I think it is genuinely Why don't you just amazing. Say, use my standard line. I am not a homophobe. I ain't scared of no fag. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It is a good point. That's why I carry this knife. Yeah. Um, knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, but we're so pet. I think what, the audience violence? knows where okay. we're coming from. Okay, good. That's, we think it's amazing. Clear, right? We're very glad for them because obviously it's it's difficult to be gay in America. Yeah. Plus, and we're glad that some, you know, there is an upside to being gay. There's a yeah. lot of downsides, certainly. Yeah, certainly so. There's an upside, which is sex app. Yeah. <laughs> and, what is sex app? Uh, it's, uh, I know you talked about it before, but I wasn't here. Oh, sure. No, no. I'll, I'll catch you up. Um, I think there's a lot of different sex apps. There's Just as there's a lot now. of different Twitter clients for your yeah. phone. Uh, I think the main one is Grinder. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and, got a couple vowels dropped as in the classic Web 2.0 mode. Grinder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you open the app, and it shows you pictures of penises and butts that you can deal with sexually <laughs> and it will buzz your phone as you're getting closer so it's like a little treasure hunt Weird. yeah and it's the, like a divining rod for gay sex yeah it's sort of like it makes everyone into a dowser where <laughs> the underground water is a butt or penis or mouth so it, it, it can detect any penis or only like no only ones that penis. also are using the app. Oh, so you. But have here's to, the thing, though. Everyone. They're all to. using the app. Oh, okay. We think. We're not we can only entirely, assume. We, we can, can only assume because if we were, uh, if we were in that context, mm-hmm. and we were, I mean, obviously, I would be. If, if I was in that context, my wife would also be. You a would gay be gentleman. gay, married to man Teresa. <laughs> yes, and Especially, you would have adopted African Simon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, no, she would have gay born African Simon. Oh, okay. I think this is a miracle world. Still two dogs, though. That's yeah. the same. We would have had the, we, we would, would have, have the same dogs. Two dogs. Um, but yeah. So uh, anyway, I have a baby human human squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that we've we've pretty well established our credibility as uh, you know as just sort of trustworthy 
uh, responsible adults through the last couple of questions. So I think it's uh, I think it's a good time for us to uh, offer some straight talk for teens. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Mitch from Chicago with a straight talk for teens. I was asked to turn about this week, and my question is this. How do I do a school dance? It's my first, so how do I do it? If you could share your high school dance stories, advice, Jesse, and homecoming King Jordan, that would be awesome. Thanks. Bye. We should explain that Turnabout is an annual school dance Mm -hmm. Uh, where you go out with someone you thought was a chick and turns out to be a 45-year-old dude. Right. Um, I approved, I assume that's like Sally Sally Hawkins. Where, Say, is, yeah, Sadie, Sadie Hawkins. Hawkins yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, I've the never dude. heard turnabout either, but... Um, so you got to figure that's what that means, right? Because yeah. he's saying he got asked there. It sounds like, but it sounds like something that would be involved in like a long con from the 30s. <laughs> Like, and then you get to the turnabout, where you pretend that the warehouse is a casino. <laughs> well, actually, that is actually a, an important part of both of those events. Both oh, okay. the long con and the high school dance yeah, you have to, involve you pretending have to... that the warehouse is a casino. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, you know, I think I would need a lot more information about the context which this guy is going to the dance, because I think it's very different when you're going to the dance with a sweetheart versus when you're just going with a friend. And right. I think there's different protocol for both. Or if it's one of those situations where the dance is the first time you're going out, and you know there's that kind of tricky thing of, are we going as friends or are we going as date? I mean, I think the most important question is, should you have your just your dick out or your dick in your balls out? Yeah. Well. Um... I mean, my per- my inclination is if it's a first date, you want to be conservative, so you want to have both out, so she knows what she's dealing with. Why why buy the balls when you can get the dick for free? <laughs> exactly. I think it's the old. It's what all of our moms would have told that's, us. Yeah. That's what started the Great Chicago Fire. All <laughs> right, uh, some balls swung around and hit a lantern yeah, in a barn, open door of a barn, and, mm-hmm. and so on. You yeah, know, the, so, so you, you know don't want to be at the dance. And I know that all school dances really they involve a lot of like whale oil lanterns, right? Um, a lot of tiki torches. So if you've got big old balls and they're swinging around, did your school have dances? Yeah, oh, totally. They totally have dances. Yeah, oh. I think there were kind of three big ones a year. There was homecoming, uh-huh. which was a little more casual. That's something to wear. You know, you could just wear a coat and tie or something or a uh-huh. what have you. And then uh, there was you wore a, a coat, coat and tie. tie. Yeah. I, they only do that on TV. Do they really wear a coat and tie? Did you go to high dance? school on Saved by the Bell? I did. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I skateboarded to the dance because I was the cool kid. <laughs> in your tie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was... When, wi- you, when you arrived, you took off your helmet and your elbow pads and your right. knee pads. Exactly. High-fived the principal. <laughs> Pants to nerd. <laughs> Um, and there was winter formal, uh, which was kind of a Valentine's Day thing. Uh, and there was kind of an unofficial girl ask guy policy there. I'm going to sneeze. Excuse me. Oh, it's gone. Okay. Um, we and should then, explain uh, that Jordan is allergic work. to girls. I am. Yeah, and even talking about them makes me feel icky. Um, and then there was prom, which was just for juniors and seniors. So that was our dance situation. Uh huh. Okay. I, and I grew up in in this in the seventies in school, in high school. So a school and, dance was so school a, dance was like a, a freak a out on mushrooms. A gymnasium. I was just going to say a gymnasium 
filled with very loud Credence Clearwater. <laughs> and you're, you'd be so high from just smoking this cheap dope that they had in those days that you would just stand against the wall and like feel the vibes <laughs> of the music. And that was it. Well, what's funny... you'd go home. What's funny is the idea that it, the 70s were this magical time when you would get super high and then go to the school dance. Yeah. Like that those two things were connected activities. Like you'd be like, oh man, what do you want to do tonight? Let's get high and then go to the school dance. <laughs> like they had You were going to the dance either way. Yeah. So you might as well yeah. get super stoned. People who people who who uh were gonna get high after school had not yet figured out that they didn't have to go to the dance. <laughs> well you have to. You just have to go to the dance. I remember You're when Aeros- Aerosmith got famous by going around to all the high schools in Massachusetts and played for like you pay like two dollars to go in. Wow. And uh People, I remember my friends all saying, there's this band called Aerosmith, and they actually even have a record. <laughs> so we were like, wow, we're going to go to that. Yeah. So we went, and they got famous in Boston, and that was the, the career. Yeah, there was nothing like that at my high school. There was prom, mm-hmm. but that's the only dance. Yeah. I mean... Really? Yeah, I mean, I guess there was other dances, but it was sort of like a ha-ha-ha, there's, there's supposed to be a dance. I was very shy, so I really hated the dance. So yeah. I just got the... Smoked the cheap dope, leaned against the wall, and like pretended I was super cool. But I was actually <laughs> just shy and high. <laughs> I mean, you. What do we say about this dance? I mean, it depends on the size of the high school, the scale of this event. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of factors, but I mean, I guess I would say like just don't don't be shitty about it. Like don't go. And don't go because you want to make fun of it. Yeah. Which is, I think, I feel like I heard a lot of in high school. It's like, oh, I'm just going to go because everybody's going to be acting so stupid. You know, like <laughs> that weird attitude. Um, so, yeah, I think it's 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 fun to to put on a different outfit and to, to ask a person that you like and to dance around and to take a limo. You know, all that stuff is fun. So don't, you know, don't be, don't be making the jack-off motion in the air while you're doing it. If you dance enthusiastically with some girls, uh, you'll do really well with the girls. Yeah, that's in high school particularly. That that's a great time for... That is true. Just I remember everybody saying, if I knew then what I know now when I was in high school, oh my God. But it's not if I knew then what I know now. What it is, if I had the confidence now to be able to be a little bit drunk, a little bit high, and yeah. go in and not be afraid of the girls... I would just go crazy. I would have, I would have been scoring all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I would have been the coolest kid. Anybody that's like in their 50s who is this confident and, and I don't give a shit about anything anymore. And go in there and like the, a night at an eight, what is it, 17-year-old when you're in school? In school? In 17-year-old <laughs> yeah, body. Right. And not have that horrible yeah, nervousness sure. that I always had. That horrible, fine, nervous shyness that just fucked everything up that I did. My advice, if I was 17 and somebody said, what about the school dance? I'd say, don't go. Yeah. Or go. <laughs> I mean the the reality is that like uh you if a girl asks you to go, then uh that's pretty cool. You yeah, go great. to a dance with that girl, maybe you can kiss her some. Sure. Kissing yeah, is great. Idea. Yeah. Try some kissing. And you know, even if it is just she wants to go as a friend, go to the dance, act really, really fun, and maybe some other girls who are at the dance will like you later because you're so much fun. That's right. Yeah. He's that guy who was nice to the girls. Yeah. Trying to around, around, didn't act shitty when about you're stuff. you're shy and you're acting like cool with your buddies 
you're not talking to the girls. The girls think that means because you're an asshole. They don't like you. <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll tell you, you what. Like them. I'll tell you what. Uh, Daniel Handler is on this week's Bullseye. Uh, he is best known as the Lemony Snicket. Uh, but he is also a very gifted writer. Yeah, I read uh, one of his novelist. adult novels recently. I thought it was really good. Yeah, he he just wrote this very wonderful uh, book that is uh, in the voice of a high school girl uh, writing a letter to her boyfriend about why they broke up. And uh, it's a great book. And um, he he and I talked a little bit about high school. And uh, he he talked about all these different girls that he dated in high school. And um, basically, his strategy was uh, just to be straight, uh, hang out with girls, and uh, ask them out, and then uh, try and kiss them. <laughs> and it worked great for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as I can tell, it worked tremendous for him because I think that that much, that stuff is stuff that most guys in high school can't get their act together to do, right. except for maybe jocks where those things just sort of fall into their laps. Right. Sure. Because jocks exercise so much that they're naturally not nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to get out the nerves. Right. I mean, nerds, what did, I mean, what did we have to get out the nerves? Jerking off. Right. Yeah. You can only do that That's once not, or twice a day. Yeah. That, and then you don't care when you go to the dance. Sure. Yeah. So um, <laughs> no, that's right when you're young. My my recommendation Brush is your teeth. No, yeah. I I really like I really like your advice, Jordan, to not go and complain about it. Yeah. Uh, go or don't go. Don't go and complain about it. Go and uh, if this girl is asking you out because maybe she likes you. Uh, I say try and make a move. You don't have to try and sleep with her, but do yeah. something to make it clear that it's romance and try and kiss her. Yeah. Um, well, if you're sitting at a table, uh, maybe maybe try and take her hand under the table. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. Or put your big toe up her dress. There you go. Or swing your giant balls around, <laughs> knock over the nearest whale oil lantern, and cause the greatest fire that the city of Chicago has ever seen. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. Jordan Jesse Go, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morse, boy detective. Tony Millionaire, wonderful cartoonist. Uh, can I play something for you guys? You may. Yes. More Yeah, this guy named Lucas made that. That was nice. It's great. No, it's a fanfare. Yeah, that's a fanfare for More Powerful Than Ever. You should know that More Powerful Than Ever is my theme for 2012. I'm sick of the bullshit and uh, just all the crap that's been holding me back. Yeah. Um, I've decided that uh, rather than capitulate to my enemies, I'm going to crush them like paper cups in my hand. Crush your enemies or make yourself stronger than them? I'm I'm going to be stronger than them and... Part of their that strength to crush. Yeah, that's good. If necessary, look. I'm going to do that same thing. I'm not look. I'm not looking for a fight. But if if shit goes down, I will be powerful enough to crush them. I won't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? It's going to be like fucking water off a duck's back because they're going to be. I'm going to be like, oh shit, what happened? Oh, I accidentally just fucking crushed my enemies. I I will tell people if you're going up against uh, Jesse, watch out. Yeah, and look, not a lot of Jordan. You went on this too. Yeah, yeah. I'm also more powerful than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Do you plan to become even more powerful? Yeah. Look, totally. Here's the thing. Oh yeah, I'm getting jacked up, getting juiced. Let's be clear. Ganked up. Me and Jordan don't have don't have a lot of enemies. We're nice guys. 
I mean, we're competitors. Su- we're sweet guys. Sure. No, no, no. That's true. No, we should probably consider competitors or peers enemies now. Yeah. Like, I don't I think know. That's the thing is that like you have to push people out of the way do? to get on the bus. Who are we going to compare? We're not going to. We're not going to turn against like Chris Hardwick or something. Oh, David, that's a great guy, David Graham. No, we're not going to turn against David. Yeah, those guys are. Let's destroy them. <laughs> why would we turn against David Graham? No, those are like the nicest. Those are guy- nice guys. From stop podcasting weakness, yourself. Weakness. You going back to 2010? The nicest guys oh, around. Yeah. yeah. Well. Okay. Look, we last week. Crush. This is the thing. Last week we announced uh, this this theme. 2012, more powerful than ever. Going ape, and people have been. The the torrent of amazing artworks of all types that we have seen evidenced on our um, <laughs> the amazing torrent of artworks that we've seen on our Facebook page and on the forum has been amazing. So I, I like I'm looking at the Facebook page right now. This guy named Jonathan made an original illustration for Going Ape. It features there's a lot of uh, sort of King Kong type apes. Uh, Patrick Roddy. Uh, who a longtime fan of ours? He's been out to several volunteer days. Uh, drives a Pontiac. Um, he made a light box, a more powerful than ever light box. Mm-hmm. Look at this! Look at this, Tony! <clears throat> look at this thing! Look at this light box here! I use a light box every day. Let look me at see that one. This look because it's got a it's got an ape going ape. That's a great idea! You just take a light box and put a big giant ape on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, that's it's, my problem with light boxes in the past is that they haven't had apes on them. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, Bra- for tracing. Mm-hmm. Brandon, Brandon made this uh, made this awesome. Really, this one's really awesome. It's sort of uh, sort of like an old timey poster style uh, thing. Uh, this woman named Erin wrote a beautiful song uh, about how she's more powerful than ever, uh, despite the fact that she uh, may or may not be as uh, young and vibrant as she once was. Uh, which I think is a great theme. I like the idea that uh, I like the idea younger? that. Just because you're not 24 years old doesn't mean you're not more powerful than ever. And that just applies because, to 24-year-olds who aren't 16. you're older than 24, you're probably more powerful than you were when you were yeah, 24. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just, just get more and more powerful. Just yeah. think, like, sometimes you know who Polly Shore is and younger people don't. So that's a power that's you have over them, yeah. remembering yeah. Polly Shore. Trevor McGee and Molly. Sure. Uh, Thomas, I mean, there's all these people. Thomas, uh, Jimmy made an awesome picture of an ape king. He's like sort of an ape Napoleon. He's riding the raptor. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see that one. Oh, that one's really nice. Isn't that great? Look at that. It's beautiful. It's Napoleon. It's taken from Napoleon, yeah. Yeah, it's like an ape Napoleon. That painting of Napoleon with the horse rearing up. Yeah, and, and but the horse is a raptor. That's great. So that's pretty tremendous. We use short Are you fiction. sure it's a raptor? It could be a Deinonychus. It's possible that it's a Deinonychus. It's a vegetarian dinosaur. It's probably not quite as ferocious, ferocious as yeah, a horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy named Elijah wrote... Uh, a, sh- a short uh, short story. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of amazing things. Uh, just so many wonderful Adam, Bonnie. I'm I'm gonna not say some people's names, so I'm sorry if I didn't. Oh, this guy. Bone, yeah. Bone, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- this guy Bone, named uh, yeah. Concrete Tales from the forum just just put up t- 2012 pictures of a gorilla flexing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? Great. Sure. Seriously, all kinds of people doing all kinds of amazing shit on this fucking website. And I thank every single one of them. You have until the end of the month, and whoever makes the best thing as arbitrarily judged by us uh, will receive this Xbox that we have. Uh, If I can make a comment about the Xbox, I had not seen it until today. This is not just 
a run-of-the-mill Xbox. This is a Gears of War limited edition elite Xbox that comes with Gears of War 3. Yes, that's true. And it comes with a book about Gears of War also. Yeah. So, is, that, is that a game? It is, yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, so this is actually a really nice item. And even if you do have a, if you have a first-gen Xbox and wanted to upgrade to something that was a little nicer with some more features, this is, this is a good choice. I'm going to send... I'm Does gonna, it have more buttons? Uh, no, same amount of buttons. Uh, more memory. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it has a crank. It, they added a crank. They, it, the original Xbox oh, has buttons, not steam. I'm gonna <laughs> say power. for Patrick, for Brandon, and for Aaron. Uh, Patrick made the light box. Brandon made the sweet poster thing, and Aaron wrote the beautiful song, uh, which was the second song she ever wrote, despite the fact that she only knows three guitar chords. That's all you, That's need. All you need. All you need. All, all three of you, please email intern at maximumfun.org with your, uh, e- with your address and your size, and we will send you a T-shirt. How about that? They're, That's great. They're unisex-sized T-shirts. So, uh, Does the T-shirt have the gorilla on it? And the T-shirt's got the rocket ship. That's that's the symbol of the boner society. But that's a whole other thing that we're not going to get into <laughs> right. right now. Um, well, Tony, it has been such a joy and a pleasure to have you on Jordan Jesse Go. It pleasure is, is mine. Thank you very much. Um, I really, I think this uh, 500 Portraits book of yours is an absolute delight. Look, if if you want to see a picture of Bob Odenkirk, if you want to see a picture of Davy Rothbart. Uh, from Found Magazine. He was very excited to be in the book. He is, he, well, he is outclassed by most of the other people. John Hodgman said that if anybody brings the copy of this book to him, he will personally draw his mustache on the drawing. Wow. Because oh, the drawing doesn't have the mustache. No, it's oh, a, wow. Okay. Before he had the mustache. That's pretty good. What about, here's, here's our friend John Roderick. I mean, these are, these are beautiful and evocative drawings of all kinds of wonderful people. In fact, a lot of the people that I drew, I didn't know who they were, but then later found out who they were. When they wrote you to complain. Well, somebody would say, and here's an assignment, draw these six people, and uh, gave me names, I Googled them and drew them. <laughs> and then later I'm like, well, who was that? <laughs> someone, someone drew, I had, always wanted to, um, I had always wanted to appear in a sort of... Uh, uh, Wall Street Journal stipple style illustration. Yeah, it was a lifetime career goal of mine. Um, Paul F. Tompkins recently achieved this. He, mm. he was featured in an article in the Wall Street Journal. I was actually in the Wall Street Journal once. He's in my book, uh, but I was not illustrated. Um, you were? No, you were, there, there, there was an article yeah. about me in the all, in the Wall Street Journal, but they did not illustrate me. Paul F. Tompkins yeah. got it in my book, but I didn't draw the little gap in his teeth, so it's hard to recognize. Ah, mm. well, he could have been wearing his flipper. For sometimes for network they have him wear a really? prosthetic. To yeah. Close the gap. To close oh, the yeah. gap. Isn't it that bizarre? TV screen, doesn't it? I don't know. I I think it's one of his greatest charms. The, ca- the camera is, adds ten inches to any tooth gap. It is insane to me yeah. that someone would want to hire yeah, would, yeah. would want to hire Paul F. Tompkins and not have the gap in his teeth. It's sort of like. It's yeah. sort of like asking for like a, a shorter Shaquille O'Neal or something it's like, like that. Like for it's a like, giraffe, and could you shorten the neck? Yeah, exactly. It's like the the thing one of the one of the elements that makes him magical. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that point aside, I was featured in this article about uh, from Fast Company magazine, mm-hmm. where they did an illustration based on photograph of me. It was uh, it was a not a stipple illustration. I'll grant you, it was a line illustration. Not wildly unlike uh, the illustrations in this uh, beautiful book of yours. No. I'd like to be drawn in the style of a heavy metal album cover. 
It was. <laughs> Like, I want to be fighting a fucking dragon. Yeah, or like a Viking or something. Wait, but I just want to. I just want to say something. All you need is a costume for that. I'll draw you. I just want to say something. I'll come over to your house in a Viking outfit. I just want to say something about this illustration of me in this Fast Company magazine. First of all, it was an honor to be one of Fast Company magazine's 100 most creative people in business. Mm -hmm. So thank you to Fast Company magazine for including me in this article. That's number one. Number two, Fast Company magazine. This was the most unflattering illustration <laughs> to the point where I showed the article to my wife and she said, this is her direct quote. Oh no. <laughs> that was what uh, she said. They added chins to my face. <laughs> and what, what can you do when that happens? Dear fast company magazine. I am not that fat. <laughs> I'm a little bit fat. Can you go back and not... take back all the magazines <laughs> and burn the ones that, Oh, out. Not as many fats as you put me. This is the problem with using photographs on, from, like, even Google search. I've got to find, usually I find, like, five or six different photographs so I can make sure that the one that has the weird chins, that's just because, you know, right. the way the guy was holding his neck at the time. Right, right, yeah, you got to... actually have them. You got to check it out. You got to sure. check out the situation. You don't want to, you don't to, want to draw someone shot. while they're slouching. You also can't go for the headshot because that's usually like the beautiful shot. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's not. You want to get a candid picture mm-hmm. if you can find one. And then you get sued. That's why, that's why you're always snooping around people's Facebook pages and or breaking into their house. That's right. Um, oh, while, while we're on the subject of uh, Tony's work, uh, you also did some illustrations uh, for this book, Encyclopedia of Hell. An invasion manual for demons concerning the planet Earth and the human race which infests it. And one of these drawings By is... By the amazingly humorous art writer, Martin Olson. And uh, one of your drawings for this is a jackal coming out of the vagina of a nun, which was impregnated by Satan. And the jackal is kicking off the head of JFK. In so, a split second. Yeah, yeah. In the, way in the background, you can see Lee Harvey Oswald. Looking kind of bummed. dismayed that he didn't get his shot off. Yeah. Sort of dejected. He thinks it's kind of bogus what just happened. I'm a patsy. That's why he said I'm a patsy. (laughs) Because the jackal kicked off the head. Our theme music is Love You by the Free Design, courtesy of the Free Design and Light in the Attic Records. Um, You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. And hey, check out uh, Bullseye, my uh, all-new public radio program. Okay, not all-new, but substantially, substantially... Not insignificantly new. Not insignificantly new public radio program. This week on the show, I will tell you who I talked to. Daniel Handler, a.k.a. The Lemony Snicket. That's number one. Number two, uh, smash hit stand-up comedians, The Sklar Brothers. Uh, Number three, uh, contemporary music composer uh, and Bjork and Grizzly Bear collaborator, Nico Muley. Uh, uh, he's also a collaborator with, um, I want to say Philip Glass. I might be wrong and it might be Steve Reich, but he's, <laughs> he really bridges the, it might be Bob Dylan. He, he Could might be. He, he really bridges the gap is what I'm trying to say between your Bjorks and your, uh, famous, uh, modern classical composers. Uh, and, uh, also I, I do a little piece recommending one of my favorite television shows, the newsroom, Canadian sitcom called the newsroom. Um, and next week on the show, uh, the brilliant David Wayne, a 40 minute conversation oh. with me and the amazing David Wayne about how much I love wet, hot American summer. Um, how I distrust people who don't love wet, hot American summer. Um, 
about his very funny new movie, uh, Wanderlust. Uh, about is, did you see? It? Did you see it? I did see it. Is it good? Yes, it is. Oh, good. That's great. Yes. Yeah. I can't. I. I. Yeah. Every, I feel like every David Wayne movie has been a home run so far. Yeah. You should. You should yeah. mo- moderate your moderate your expectations. It's not going to change your life or anything. Sure. Um. But it is. You will definitely enjoy. Is it, it as good as Role Models? No, That's no, tough. no, no, no. When you're That's reviewing tough. a movie, all you can do is thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everybody has a different. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's an enjoyable. It's an Great. enjoyable film. I'm, I'm excited. Role models uh, is one of the. I, I know the Sklar brothers, and the one is much funnier than the other. <laughs> 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 we'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. Hi, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. We're three brothers. It's not a coincidence. We have a show. It's called My Brother, My Brother. Me. It's an advice show. For the modern era. Uh, sometimes we also take questions from the Yahoo Answer Service. Hey guys, how many push-ups does it take to look like a werewolf? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fine question, Griffin. We'll answer that one and so much more, including questions from readers about love and navigating the waters of society. Subscribe on iTunes or get it online at MaximumFun.org. We're brothers. We're experts. And we're sorry. Sorry.